Uh, are you okay with the two-parter? Yeah, I guess so. This will be our longest episode. Right? Oh, <laughs> wow. Uh, in a good way. Like, or, I, mean, I don't know how I feel about getting more airtime than Martin Luther King. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Luther King wasn't part of the discussion. <laughs> That's true. If yeah. he was here, his episode would have been long. Oh, yeah. Sure. No, we'd still yes. be talking about it. Hello, and welcome back to Raise a Glass, the podcast where we talk about the stories and storytellers that shape us. Join us for part two of our artist interview with Andrew Mosher, where we conclude Eric's guessing game in Komodo Queen. So start with the guy with the ferret in his head. Um, <laughs> it's a mullet mohawk. A, mu- a mullet mohawk. Yes. Mullet, mullet hawk. Punk mullet? Uh, <laughs> yeah, punk mullet. Some of me wonders why I don't see more of these people in my daily life, like in the grocery store but yeah. shopping in the wrong places like, <laughs> i don't know you should go to to rock concerts it, he looks to me like he could be a groupie of um of a band version of anchorman okay so, like, this is that. like a jazz flute groupie like to me like this is like interesting really- i feel like he would only appreciate it at an ironic level though. I don't think he actually would care about the jazz flute. Okay, yes. He, he reminds me of uh like Dr. Disrespect. He's like a he's like a streamer. Okay. So that's uh Eric's gonna show me a picture. I also have idea of that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah that looks exactly like him. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh huh. Hunter for the win on that mm. one. Uh, not that it's competition, but that was <laughs> so accurate. Um, the second guy. DS nine. Yeah, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space mm. Nine. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, a really simplified, small version of the uh, the space station. That's some really impressive tattoos. If you look really closely, I bet he has some of the same tattoos as the girl that you mentioned a few pages earlier. Mm-hmm. I uh, more of a borrowing from myself. Mm. Maybe not though. Maybe I. No, it's pretty accurate. So the the guy in the third panel, there was a guy who was doing like this contact juggling where he was rolling a ball okay. over his body yeah but it was oh, actually right. glowing it was glowing wow like so they he was doing it before the lights went off and it just looked like this white mm-hmm. ball that he was doing and he was not there with anyone and he was so into his own world and then when the lights in the club went down he was just glowing it was really incredible and then i i really made a fool of myself because i tried to take a picture um, but since the lights had gone out, the flash turned on on my phone. <laughs> oh no! And so then here I am, just shining a flash right in the people around me's face. Um, so that was embarrassing. <laughs> I'm envisioning this guy as like a yogi, <laughs> telling your future with this ball. <laughs> but I remember those infomercials. Like this yeah. is what I'm envisioning those infomercials. Like buy this clear ball where you can do all these cool things. Yeah, buy it. It's just yes. like a, a paperweight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for Oshiki. Um, 
About the third hundred. Anything for the second or third one? Red rum, but yeah, wizards? that fourth one. Yeah, the fourth yeah. one is definitely uh, a shining kind mm-hmm. of vibe. Hundred percent. It's just uh, with but with a mom and dad that don't want to pay for a haircut. <laughs> yeah, they so have that, a bowl cut. The haircut. The haircut here is is actually uh, based on on someone I see in my real life regularly okay okay i won't say more than that because maybe it will be embarrassing <laughs> but but they really had that bulk cut that i was just really excited to talk about this fifth one uh-huh this is to me forrest gump when he's running okay like this is yeah, like the big white beard the big beard like the, all i could think of when i think to this is like forrest gump like yes. a year into his running Yes, I was thinking uh, Duck Dynasty. That's oh, what I was gonna okay. say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, sixth one. I this is probably the most unique character I feel like I've interacted with in this. Like I, I come back to this character multiple times. Really? Because I just I don't understand what's happening with his face. <laughs> he's he's like, doing duck lips. Okay, because like that's what I see, but I'm also like. But why? Because he's a he's a, a frat guy, so he has like a like a fake uh, bronzer on. He's got his top <laughs> collar. He uh, he's got his uh, pursed lips, his little uh, slicked up hair, a little Jersey Shore. Um, yeah, very much so. He he doesn't know what's happening. No, so I I, I drew it wrong. He sh- what I should have done is had him standing next to a girl who's dressed very differently. And she's into the band, and he's along for the ride, because uh, uh, that's really what the idea here is. Um, so I, I should have uh, made it a two shot. Okay, that that's great though. That's that may, you conveyed that without the person. Like it's yeah. very clear that like that he doesn't. He is out of place. Yes. Everybody else in this, the other eclectic people, like they all make sense. Yeah, he's like a. But why is this person? <laughs> Why is Alpha Beta Kappa right. chilling with that? Um, I'm sure this isn't correct, but I think of Sunny and Cher uh, a little bit. Oh, uh, I don't think so. Good. Okay, who do you think of? What <laughs> are you thinking of? Uh, I, I was thinking kind of a, a Woodstock kind of vibe mm-hmm. with the hair and the style okay. of glasses. The modern Woodstock. With is that the mother? Mask. Yeah. No, that's supposed to be the girlfriend, but I can see oh, why okay. you think that. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like the, the messy big hair. Mm-hmm. I feel like I might know the guy in the mask. I feel like yeah, it might just be somebody else. This was also, I, I had meant to put masks more throughout to really give a sense of the time. There is the part earlier in the book where, where we're asked to, to show our vaccination cards. Um, so when I went to see the show, it was 22. So lockdown had been over for a while and things were feeling some kind of normal, but it was still very different to go into a large crowd of people. And all they did was if you didn't have your vaccination card, they said, can you please wear a mask? Mm. And that was it. And a lot of people mm. did, um, but I didn't draw them as much because I didn't remember to. Yeah. 
so I, I remembered to put it in here because it was on the note on my thumbnail to put a mask on the guy. <laughs> I'll draw anything on the second to last picture. Um, nothing interesting. I'm just thinking punk <laughs> goth. We're um, on the last one now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does she have hair? Is she bald minus like yeah? Hair? So she has bangs and like uh, hair at her ears, but the rest is shaved. So I, did you ever read the uh, comment? The the little kid's nursery rhyme: Jack Sprat could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean, but in between yeah. them both, you see, they they lick the player clean. clean. That's kind of what these two people are doing with their hair. Yes, uh, he only has hair on top, and she <laughs> only has hair in the front and the side. Yes, that's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so. I drawing punk characters and goth characters is something I go back to a lot mm -hmm. um, because I think that the, I think, I just think that the fashion is very interesting. I think it's a very, very expressive kind of style to have. Uh, I was homeschooled for most of my life. And then when I joined public school, I was a junior in high school and I had no idea how to navigate social settings or things yeah. like that. Cause mm -hmm. I was just with my family for, for my whole life. And uh, I ended up at the table with the punks. Hmm. And so my first non-Christian music was like rancid and sex pistols <laughs> <laughs> and these things that were, you know, punk songs and, uh, and I just had a real fondness for that because they were so nice to me and they're so mm -hmm. welcoming. And it's amazing. even though I was, you know, loud and proud about being a, a church boy and bringing my Bible to school and stuff. And they <laughs> hated all that, but they were still really kind to me. And, uh, and so I always have a soft spot for, for those characters. So I had to include them here. That's amazing. Well, thanks for, uh, Humoring me in that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm enjoying. I think I'll, I'll. I'll. I mean, just based off this conversation so far, I mean, I'll, when I go back through these, I think I'm going to see them in, in even a kind of maybe a fuller light. Um, just notice things I hadn't noticed before. Is there anything else you want to say about Komodo Queen? Um. Nothing really I want to highlight out of it. I, I just will say I'm glad to hear that you both like it. I'm really proud of the book. Um, I I think it's my best work as a whole. Um, and I'm very proud. There's a lot of firsts in there for me. It's my first full length that I wrote. It's my first one that I colored. And uh, I'm really proud of the artwork in it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thanks for taking the time to, to read it. And I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Well, thank you for sharing it. And it really feels the the visual payoff at the end of this, like is worth it. Like you, know, I almost feel like I go from like reading a really interesting story to like watching, like, like if it feels like the TV is on, like the music's playing like full blast, like you're just like being overwhelmed with sound and you communicate that through the visual like, and the colors, the colors like really pop in telling that story. 
um, which is really, I've been at concerts and, and it's really hard to take pictures because yes. the pictures don't tell the story. Yeah. Because the picture shows different colors than you experience. And like, even when it, it doesn't even tell the colors, like, you know, but this uses colors and shading and lighting. Like you can see the mm -hmm. lighting on characters. Yeah. Yeah, because the, when they're up on stage, they have the stage lights, but then they also had a big screen behind them, so they're being double lit with different colors, and so you get the the blends here. Mm -hmm. This is one of the it's it's only with the band and some of the shots of the crowd where I did any sort of non flat coloring where I actually used gradients. Mm -hmm. It's just in these last few pages of the book to to help it stand out more. Um, we could talk about all your other comics. I know you've got more. <laughs> I, I think maybe it's probably not the right thing to spend another hour talking about those. And then yeah. while talking about your, um, your other storytelling, um, is there of the three others, I think three other three, like, there's the, the nightmares one or the, the, the yeah the nightmares double feature yeah there's the um one year oh there's four um there's the girls the girls from the stardust consortium um there's the um uh, i'm gonna remember this um there's the one of you traveling around europe uh, Belgium. Oh, yeah yeah so belgian beer so that what I shared with you is just the first seven pages or okay. so. That's going to be a graphic novel. That's yeah. going to be like 80 pages. I'm really excited to see it. Um, so, yeah, that, that one I started last year. And then I realized that it was a big story. And so I did Komodo Queen instead. Komodo mm -hmm. Queen still took me a full year to make. Um, and that was only 24 pages. <laughs> so 80 pages is going to take me a while, but mm -hmm. I got to try to... That's that's my next focus is is uh, Belgian beer the, um, and the back. I mean, the, the you're telling a story of a place. Yeah, as much as yeah. Like so that the idea with that one is that you could, it's it's very heavily researched and, um, you could use it as a travelogue. The the places that we eat, the beers that we get, the the the, the touristy things that we go look at. It's all accurate. Um, and uh or it's going to be accurate when i draw it yeah. uh <laughs> and uh yeah so that's that's heavily researched so that's very much uh, a lot of architecture drawings a lot of that kind of classic european architecture mm -hmm. um yeah so that one in komodo queen i pushed myself by drawing crowds in every panel and in in belgian beer it's going to be pushing myself to draw you know full three-point perspective cityscapes and and Wow. And architecture in every fan. Um, yeah. So we don't need to talk about that though, because that's okay. not a finished not story finished. yet. Okay. And I don't know what the other one is. The other oh, one the, is also not finished. The, yeah. The Huntsman's Offering. Huntsman's that's offering. just four pages right now. So is there going to be any words in that one? No, that's going to be a, a silent comic. That okay. one's going to be 40 some pages. I might, I'm going to try to do that one in tandem with Belgian beer because that's a smaller book. I'm drawing it at a smaller size. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just going to be two colors. I'm going to print it on the risograph. Um, so I think I can do that one quicker. I'm using different tools for that one too, mm -hmm. which allowed me with a, for a, a quicker workflow. Okay. So I'm going to try to get that one done this calendar year okay. in tandem with working on the, the graphic novel. I think that one might bring people to tears. I, I think so. It's, 
Yeah. We we won't talk about it. Okay. But sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it'll be my my most mature and emotional story, even though it'll have no words. Okay. Yeah. So let's just spend a few minutes because we don't have them in, t- in front of us physically. We can pull up on our phones, but um, talking about the in tandem, the nightmares. Yeah. Um, which again, it's not what it's called. Nightmares double feature. Nightmares double feature. And then about girls. Andrew, do you okay? Have you get a chance to look through those? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, let's. I, if you're okay with it, let's try to maybe not spend as much time on them sure. as we spend on yeah on these pieces. Um, can you give us a little bit of an overview of Nightmares? Yeah, so Nightmares Double Feature, it's envisioned as like a a drive-in experience or one of those back when people still bought DVDs, you get those DVDs of horror movies packed together, mm-hmm. which is something I used to buy a lot. Um, so it's like it's, two? Yeah, two you have movies. the two movie posters on the yeah, front cover yeah. of the DVD, and that's what the front cover of the comic is. is okay. It's these two movie posters for the two stories. Uh, so one is I Dug My Own Grave, and the other one is called Brights. And uh, it's just two eight-page stories. This is a very small comic. It's a mini comic. It's it's at like a quarter of a size of copy paper. So it's, it's a very small book physically, uh, only a couple panels on each page. And this is a story of nightmares that I had uh, in my 20s, just nightmares that I would have over and over and over again. And uh, I this I did, bef- I finished this last year before I got too far into Komodo Queen because I was having a little trouble writing Komodo Queen. And so I did this book as a writing exercise where I already had two fully formed stories because I already had the nightmares mm-hmm. and all I had to do was write a, a punchline and, and figure out how to pace the story so that I could fit it to eight pages. So it was kind of a writing exercise. Um, also, I just wanted to do so, a small book to test out the risograph. I had just joined the printing club. Uh, and I did this as a two-color, a uh, black and red, nice mm-hmm. uh, horror story colors. Um, and I wanted to try something that wasn't just slice of life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like how they both end. Um, <laughs> you wake up with with your wife at the end of the digging your own grave one is you stole all the covers. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and waking up at the end of the doppelganger one. Yeah. Yeah. Waking up with, uh, myself in the bed next to me. Right. And then re waking up and it's my wife and we're both screaming. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I sometimes have pretty vivid night dreams. I, I wake up screaming, um, which is not so good when you have a newborn. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you do you still have these dreams or things like that? Uh, no, I I I don't. I um, in my my twenties were hard for me mentally and emotionally, and it was really just a. Both of these stories are. 
I put comedic endings on them, but they were nightmares and they ended very darkly and they, they happened to me every night. And so I would wake up in a panic. Mm. Um, but, uh, uh, Maybe this is too heavy to share, but I, I've been in in therapy for over ten years at this point, and I, I have some medication to 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 help me. And so I don't have, I'm not plagued by stress dreams or or fear dreams anymore. Mm. So I haven't had. I, I will occasionally have one, but it's like mm-hmm. one a year instead of two a night every night wow. for five years. It's wow. a big difference. <laughs> Does the act of telling the story, like drawing it out, like help, like in, in your like process, like for me, like I don't do it often, but sometimes taking time to write out how I'm feeling or like write a letter, like, or something will actively like, I, I don't know what the right wording is, but like, it like, bring me peace in a sense. Um, and like, I don't know if this was like if the, if the act of like drawing this out was also like peace giving to you. Uh, it, it was in the sense that I took something that was, that was very hard for me in the past and turned it like I had agency over it. And so I could create something with it um, in a very direct way. Mm-hmm. And give a little look in a light way at something that was quite serious at the time. Um, I, I feel I'm not the writer yet anyways, to, to do a, a real comic on mental health. I explore that topic a little bit in regular life mm-hmm. here and there. Um, but it's just such a heavy subject and something that is very easy and very often done wrong mm-hmm. in movies and, and books and things. And uh, I've only written a couple comics, so I'm not sure I have the chops to give it the proper weight and um, respect. Uh, it is something I'd like to tell though, cause it's a big part of my life. So this was just a, a way to approach that in a very light way and give it a funny ending Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you can read it and not even get any of the the mental health stuff behind it uh, and just appreciate it as a quick little story. Mm-hmm. It means a lot that you're willing to share that. I really appreciate it. And say about when we were making this one, the way that the red dye would come off on the fingers a little bit. Yeah. Just like, I feel like that, the resograph like just feels like it's the right thing for this particular yes strip because because of because it's like tactile like it's yes. almost like it it bleeds off the page and it bleeds onto your hand like you can't I think if you know you know the, the story used to go when you used to pull those like um oh, fire alarms like it was you would spray the, a red dye in your yeah. hand like like it, this is something that sticks with you yeah like the stories you tell in regular life stick with you they're not all maybe just meant for a laugh. It's it's meant to like to think about it, mm-hmm. and uh, to because it's not an answer. It's not a like this isn't the end. It's an ongoing part of life. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 physical nature of the printing process and the final physical object in the end feels right. Yeah, I like that.
Can we talk about the girls and the Star Death Consortium? Star Death Consortium. So I read this story and I was like, wait, this isn't Andrew. I'm like, this is but <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. So so the girls is my my debut comic book. Uh, I had a couple failed starts at making a comic book before this, um, but this is the first one I actually finished. I worked with a writer. And so this is not me. I'm not in the story. It's the only, <laughs> it's the only comic book I have where I'm not the star. Uh, so yeah, if you look for me in here, you're not going to find me. Um, and it's a story about a band. It's a story about a band, yeah. So it still has the musical hook. Um, at the time, I was doing uh, live drawings with a rock band. Uh, so they would they would put on a show, and I would have my easel up there with a giant piece of paper and a big marker, and I would draw um, while they played. Hmm. And um, the the leader of that band is uh, Kim. And he's the author of this comic. So he had me write this story of this band that he had in the seventies. Uh, so this is also a true story, like, like regular life in Komodo queen true enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it has that in common with the, with the rest of my work. Um, we're looking at some of the, the pages now and you can see my growth where the first few pages are like an illustrated story where I have blocks of text next mm -hmm. to an image. And then mm -hmm. I start to put the text with the images and then I start to introduce comic panels. And then I start to bring in heavy black and fill most of the page with black. And that's where I kind of got my footing where I felt good about the way it was looking. Um, hmm. oh, this is cool. I love the multiple Crazy hands man. in the uh, shots of the band members. Okay. Oh yeah, the way they're the early on <laughs> where they're playing their music and you see to to show the oh, motion. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, I thought that was a fun way to show it. I like the bass player with the extra fingers. Yeah, yeah. That's that was a little more subtle. <laughs> I've definitely interact, both interact with and like seen bass players that I'm like, you gotta have an extra. Three <laughs> I gotta understand how you're. Like I got a chance to see one of my favorite bass players play once, and I was like, I just how, like how are you doing this? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. Like there is so much sound and noise, like and like groove. Yeah, I can't. I can't understand how it's happening. Yeah, is this poster for the Star Death Consortium? This like creature. Yeah. On the poster? Yeah. So that, yeah, that was a real artifact. So the guy had a gig poster from from that show uh, mm. from the seventies. He had, and he he gave it to me for reference. So it's uh, not the one on the cover here. It's. Uh, yeah, this this one uh, a third of the way through the book. Um, that's a very line for line recreation. It was fun to uh, to do that font uh, by hand uh, to match the font that was used wow. in the poster. Mm. 
It was fun. Was it actually fun or was it actually super stressful? No, it was fun because there's um, a lot of times in comics, like in a, you know, a Marvel or a DC comic, there's a person and their whole job is to do the lettering. Mm-hmm. And so you can really do a lot with it if you want. And so there's a whole design aspect to creating a font mm-hmm. and then there's a very precise technical aspect to executing that font. Um, this one is very sloppy compared to the original poster from the seventies. I, I don't yeah. know how they did it um, because every one of their curves had the exact same radius as every other curve. It was just a design thing of beauty. Uh, so I had to, to, to recreate it. So it was fun. I did enjoy it. Do you have a favorite font? Uh, no, <laughs> Ariel, <laughs> that, but that's just because my day job is an engineer and I do technical writing. So oh, okay, I just yeah. go for legibility. <laughs> right. As long as you didn't say comic sounds, I might have called you out on that one. Yeah. I like to do all my, my writing by hand yeah. in my comics. Um, so I don't really do a specific font. It's just my handwriting with, I, I have a, a tool that rules out even lines so I can at least keep my letters the same size and keep them in a straight line. Hmm. Um, but I prefer that over using a font. Um, it just gives a little more life to it. Yeah. So I don't want to give away this story because it's no, this is a, this is a proper story. Amazing. With a, a beginning, middle and end. And, and yeah. I, one of the things they say, and I don't think it's giving away the story yeah. at all, is that was the best rock and roll show I've ever seen. Yeah. And <laughs> I felt it. This is hilarious. Yeah. And intense. Yes. And very unexpected. Uh, as a reader, I was. Yeah, it's it's a really great story. Uh, it's It's a true rock and roll, crazy story uh with a with like a front man for a band that is just too out there and too crazy for their own good and uh yeah it's it's a really good story i i i really got to give props to the guy it's a true story so I, but even even so i know writing a, a well-crafted version of of a, a true thing that happened so long ago there's a real art to that and when you partnered with somebody in this, yeah, how does so so how did it work? Did he write out a story and then you would like he break gave it up he or? gave me a script and the script was verbatim the words in this story. Okay. I didn't change any. I think the only thing I did was I took out the swear words because uh, I didn't feel comfortable putting that in something of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'll see there's some like cartoon swearing in it where it's just the symbols. So I mm-hmm. think that's, that was my editorial, um, but he just gave me it. And so it was just written out like a prose story, which is especially why the early pages of this comic book are mm-hmm. more like an illustrated mm-hmm. book where it's a block of text yes, and an illustration um, because I hadn't quite figured out how to split it up. Um but he gave me the script and he said, do whatever you want. 
Uh, he's, hmm. He said, it's just got to be a comic book. <laughs> so what does he think about it? What did... He loved it. Yeah, he, he thought it was really good. He was really, really happy with it. Um, he has been um, like a part of the Rochester and surrounding area comic scene for a long time. Um, worked in different comic shops over the years and a uh, collector. He goes to comic shows and sells comics and collectibles. And so it was kind of a dream for him to, to have his own comic book. Hmm. So what an amazing partnership. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I, I have a potentially like good ending question, but um, you know, before we get there, is, is there stuff that we want to. Let's talk a little bit about the art. Can we talk a little bit about art? Yeah. The, just the, the, the paintings. Yeah. The paintings yeah. you shared and just a little bit about kind of how you go about marketing those pieces. Cause that's, I want people to be thinking about that um, before we. Now, when you say marketing, you mean like the art shows, the art festivals, and, and also the some of the other events that you work on. Yeah, I'm invited to. Yeah, be so because you're doing some like very unique things that I, I had I'd never heard of before. Um, okay, yeah. So first, I guess we can talk a little bit about the. The, the venues that I use for for sharing my my pieces, and then we can talk about some of these specific uh, paintings that that I've sent you guys. Um, so I, as I mentioned before, I I did live drawing with a band. Um, that was the one of a very early thing for me. That was before I did any art festivals or anything like that. So um, I did that for a while for basically a year or two. Um, and then I started doing art festivals. So Rochester, I'm sure it's common in many cities mm -hmm. around the country, but uh, Rochester has a lot of art festivals and the, the cities within an hour or so of us also have a lot of art festivals. And so I started to show at those. So I have a, a 10 by 10 tent and I made some walls out of uh, essentially chicken wire and wood and I hang up a bunch of paintings that I made and um, and I do many portraits uh, of people who come to the show and uh, so it's uh, the size of a playing card and it's an ink drawing of the person and so they stand there and it takes me about three minutes and I draw them in my style. It's not a caricature. I will be a little snobby and say, I don't like caricature. I, I think it's lazy. Uh, and I think that it can accentuate the wrong parts of a person and people can have bad experiences with caricature. Mm -hmm. um, so what I try to do is to draw it, capturing realistic details, but doing it in my style, which is mm -hmm. kind of simplified um and uh yeah people have a lot of fun with that and we have good conversations and so that's the main thing i do but then i also last year started doing weddings <laughs> so instead of a photo booth people can hire me to draw these mini portraits mm. so i'll come to the reception and as many people as want portraits can come up and i will draw them and that's a lot of fun 
I've really enjoyed doing that. Um, I've done that for other events too, not just uh, weddings. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a few, I have two weddings this year already later in the year. So yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's amazing. I, we had, um, we had a couple in our bedroom for multiple years. I don't, I don't know where they are now, but it's, which I didn't bring them downstairs, but they're like on our mantle in our bedroom for yeah. multiple years. Like, uh, and they're, they're, I love them. Yeah. And those were from my, my wedding. Yes. My wife. So, uh, for my wedding, I made over 200 pieces of art, uh, cause I made a portrait of every guest. Wow. They had their table number on it. Uh, so basically to let you know where you should sit, you got a portrait of yourself. It was incredible. <laughs> and then I made paintings for the centerpieces. That did take uh, as long as regular life took. It took, yeah, it took a long time, but, uh, mm. and a lot of, uh, Facebook stalking to find reference photos of everyone. Cause I didn't even know who half the people were. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was, that was fun. Mm. And I, I really enjoyed I've gotten to see you only at probably a one hour show, I think. But it's it's just a really cool environment. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's you know, they're they're festivals, so a lot of times there's music, there's food, sometimes there's beer and things like that, and and people are just walking around. A lot of people are not there to shop, but they can come in and um, I have a, a mix in my paintings right now of like original designs. And then I have things that are based on bands and movies and TV shows. And so people can usually find something that they relate to. Mm. And a lot of the, the movies and TV shows and bands and stuff are, are more, not mainstream necessarily <laughs> they're a little more esoteric or they're horror movies or you know whatever mm. and so it's um it's the the sort of thing where if you if you know what it is you're probably going to enjoy it um so that's fun mm. so the pieces you brought for us i think i've seen Maybe not all of these, but most of these before. Yeah. Um, and I think they're just such a great example of the work you do. Um, again, with what you shared earlier, like, um, and I, I, I wrote it down because I was trying to remember get it. capturing a quiet moment, capturing something only, you know, the individual like can hear. And that was your goal in the comics, but, but like also like all the work you do. Yeah, that's that's a common thread as, as a as someone who spent a lot of time living in my own head. <laughs> um, the 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 inner monologue is uh, something that's ever present, and uh, it's definitely there in a strong form for my characters. Is there anything you want to let us know about these pieces that you chose, or? Um, Let's talk. Uh, so the one that's called Bodacious Friendship. Um, so this is a, a watercolor painting um, of two people that are laughing. Uh, it's a, a guy and a, 
a lady and the guy has his hand, one hand he's like holding his chest because he's laughing hard. And uh, the other hand is on the shoulder uh, because they're good friends. Um, and the lady is a cyclops. She has one large eye in the center of her face. Otherwise, she's a normal human person. And the guy is wearing an eye patch over one eye. <laughs> and um, they're happy. They're having a good time. And, and part of the friendship is that they can share their life experience. One person was born with one eye and the other person had something happen so that one of their eyes is not used anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they arrive at a similar place through two different paths. And so even when, you know, no one can know exactly what you've been through, because even if you have the same events happen, you're two different people and you process it differently. Yeah. You take different things away from it. So they're not in exactly the same spot because no two people are, but they can still appreciate each other and have an easy um, point of reference and, and can have an appreciation for, for the other person and what they, how they feel, what they process. And uh, so it just makes for, for easy, fast friends was the idea with, uh, with this picture. I really liked the one that was that was also about eyes was uh, I care for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, where it's kind of a similar idea, um, but yeah. there's a guy who is holding up a glass of water for a woman whose eye is hanging out of her head, and her eyeball is in the glass of water, and then she has a little spritzer bottle. And she is spritzing uh, his eye, which is also hanging out of his head. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just like, I don't know if it, it, macabre is the right word, but like macabre and sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great uh, juxtaposition. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's there's this uh highbrow lowbrow kind of thing where mm. a lot of parts of our life are not pretty they're ugly or they're gross or they're weird or mm. you know they're they're not good experiences or whatever and so this is just a shorthand way of showing again the same thing that's in the other painting that we just discussed two people who have had something happen and they're able to care for each other um following on their their similar experiences and so it is sweet it's a sweet moment um some people will immediately dismiss the picture as gross um <laughs> but i i think it just makes it fun and uh for a while i had a couple years where everything i drew had to do with eyes falling out of heads. It still happens a lot. <laughs> There's just something about the image. It is a very cartoon way. It's not mm -hmm. actually gross. There's nothing, there's no gore. There, there's, yeah, it's not right, realistic yeah. in any way. It's a very much a cartoon eye hanging by the nerve coming out of a, an eye socket that's 
just a regular shape of an eye. Um, and uh, there's something about that image that I find very funny and very satisfying. So I've, I've drawn a version of that many times. <laughs> I, I love all the things you draw, Andrew. I really do. Uh, and just looking at these other two pictures we didn't discuss, or the, the first two pictures mm -hmm. which we didn't discuss, and the one of the the, the person sitting in, with his coffee in front of him, empty page, and like this, I would call it like a blue devil on his head, yeah. kind of laughing, and is looks downcast to me. Yeah, this this is a really a, a really good example of what I try to capture. Uh, and this is my wife's favorite thing that I ever made. This is in her permanent collection. Uh, she requested that I never sell this one and that we hang on to it. So this is in our bedroom right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it's a guy, he's got his big cup of coffee. He's got a empty piece of paper in front of him with a pencil and the, the little blue demon on top of him. He, he's like sitting on his head and he has a little cappuccino. And he's really happy. The little demon is really happy. And the guy is quite nervous. Um, this little blue guy shows up in a lot of my drawings and in the kind of miscellaneous things I have. So I've designed stickers and enamel pins uh, that feature this blue character, um, this little blue devil. Um, because he is anxiety. He is fear. He is depression. And he is loving life because he is making this guy feel really self-conscious. This guy won't, clearly wants to write something, but the page is empty. Mm. And he is going to have a heck of a time putting the first word down on the page mm. um, because he's going to overthink it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's how I've felt lately. Yeah, for writers and for for visual artists, the the empty page <laughs> is uh, often an intimidating uh, thing to to start on. Yeah. We just layers is the, was I guess there's one more at the end where you've got person whose head is chopped off. Yeah, we don't I, we don't need to talk about that. Um, That's not as interesting. I've seen this one in your I think in your house. Right? Is this one in your house? Was uh, it yes. At one point? Okay. Yes, this one is in my house. I I've seen this enough. I mean, this is one of the most "quote unquote" gory things. That yeah, you do it's still that you not see gory. It's, it's still not. It's like an anatomical, scientific yeah. drawing. So the the picture is of a man, and he is holding a mask with uh, with his hand in front of his face, and uh, the mask is not realistic it's a it's a happy face with like a long pinocchio nose um colored with you know to look like it's real facial colors but the eyes are just circles and the mouth is just a little smiley mouth then you have the man's face and he is looking very worried and he's looking behind him as if something is is on the periphery or something is out to get him or or he's looking to see if someone is looking at him He's quite nervous about it, but his face is not connected to his head. His face is floating in front of his head like a mask and you see inside of his head. So you see skull and the interior of an eyeball. You mm -hmm. see muscle, you see brain, uh, you see T 
teeth and uh, you see a cross section of a tongue. I love that part. I love the cross section of the tongue personally. Yeah. So in this piece, this, this image, I did this image as an ink drawing first and someone purchased it. And then years later I went back and had to paint it because this was such a powerful image to me. Hmm. Um, these masks, there, there was a motif that I did for a whole year. Most of the pictures I drew that year had these masks and it's not a super deep <laughs> thing, you know, to, to read into having a mask on is, is even a phrase that we say today where you, you put on a happy face and no one knows what's really going on inside. Mm. Um, and I wanted to just take that a step further and see that you have the mask that you hold, then you have your face, which can betray what's going on inside, but then you actually get to see inside this guy. But rather than it just being the emotions that you see inside, it's more exploring the physicality of the human body. And for me, there's a, there's a wonder of all these complex thoughts and emotions that we have. And, and it's all coming out of just these very physical blobs of flesh in our body. Mm -hmm. um, it's really quite amazing. And so when you think about the, the anatomical and the chemical aspect of the different emotions that we have, uh, it's just very interesting that these things can be explained scientifically. And yet it's so hard to understand at an emotional way or to process what mm. these things are doing to our physical body and manifesting as emotions. Um, and it does look ugly inside. You say, this is, the, this is the closest I, I get to gore in my finished pieces. And uh, it's ugly, but it's also, I tried to do it as like an anatomical mm -hmm. drawing. So you see the cross section, so you can see the, the inner workings. So there's a, a, an intellectual curiosity about what's going on inside with the way it's presented. This piece always sticks out to me. It, it, it helps yeah. me hear you say, like, kind of talk through it. Because I, I love the decision to add the anatomical piece. Cause like I'm used to just the mask in front of the mm -hmm. face and that extra third level for me is like, a, like I just spend a lot of time thinking about it. Even just what you shared, like helpful. I'm also going to spend more time thinking about it whenever I see it. Cause it's yeah. just, it's uh, the face, the, the eyes in particular of this character, like you, the way the shading and the coloring of it and, and where they're, I just, everything about it just feels uh, some of the best parts of art is you keep coming back to it. Like, without, yeah. like, yeah. And I, I think that there is some nugget in this composition that is not even what I've explained it. Mm -hmm. Cause what I've explained is what it means to me and what I'm thinking about. But I think that there is, there's something in this image that as you say, you can look at it and, and think different things or feel different things. This is, this is probably one of the best pieces I've ever made. Stories touch on something eternal. Um, like we, we talked about soul earlier at the end of Komodo Queen. 
right? They hate you in the soul. Um, um, and they, they touch on something eternal and you can, you can like, sometimes you can in, in, interact with that in books, poetry, songs, um, visual art, dance, like, like, and, and I think this one, I, I think many of the pieces we've talked about, like do that, but this, this front for me, you know what you're saying? It's just, I can't bring it together because it's not something that can be brought together because if you could define eternity, if you could define like that, it, like it, it, it doesn't, it's not eternity. <laughs> it's, it's not, there's an aspect of it that is undefinable and like the way that God's at work and, the, and like, I just, I feel it. I feel it when I, when I look at this piece, awesome in particular. Are there paintings that you have, that you regret selling? Uh, there, I don't think there's anything that I regret selling. Um, my regret is that I haven't taken pictures of everything I've made. Mm. So I've sold things and I don't have any copy. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still really bad about that. My wife gets on my case because, and she's right. You know, I, I drew it. I should have a copy of it. I should at least have a little phone picture of it, but mm. um, it's, it's interesting because when I look at these paintings, so these ones that I selected to show you are, are from a few years ago. And I don't remember painting them anymore. I don't remember the, the, the task of creating them. Mm. I remember some of the feelings and some of the thoughts. Um, but, and I don't own most of the, well, I guess I own a couple of them, but um, no, it's okay for it to go somewhere else. Um, in fact, when I first started my first art show, I, I hung up, uh, like, uh, 25 paintings in a, in a restaurant mm. and I, the, the price for all of them was $20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, because I, I just wanted people to have them if they were interested in having it. Mm. Um, because I know that it feels bad sometimes if you want, if you like a piece of art and then, oh, it's very expensive. Right. Or it's, I think that art should be ex priced appropriately. I think it's good to pay for art. Um, but I like it to be cheap because if someone likes it, I want them to have it because they're going to get more out of it than I am. Mm. If I hang on to it, it's just going to sit in a bin in my basement until I dig it out for the next art show. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm looking up one of my absolute favorite things that Andrew has ever created that I've seen. And it reminded me because of the, the, the that art show, which I wasn't at, but I, I knew you around that time. Yeah. Um, and I usually I've, I've Googled in the past and I feel like it's shown up. Um, and I need to share it with you because uh, Hunter, and I think you should, it, it, it's just so funny. Um, 
I had a bottle of this wine um, for a while, and in, in one of the moves, we must have it must have not traveled with us. But I used to take times, even when we lived in Chicago, to show friends this wine bottle because I thought it was, and still think it is, one of the greatest and funniest uh, wine bottles I've ever seen. And it does a great job of communicating the style of your art um, as well as like the wit. Like what you, the number of times I found myself laughing as I've read things that you've done. And, and then also like thinking, um, honestly, Hunter, I probably showed you this before. It's, what, do you want to share about it? Or it's yeah. So I, I designed a label for a wine bottle and uh, the wine was called Pinot Envy. <laughs> and so I have uh, two, two gentlemen standing next to each other. They're dressed in kind of 1950s suits and hats. And, uh, they're holding wine glasses and one guy is looking pensively at the other guy and kind of frowning uh, because the other guy is holding a giant wine glass full of wine. Whereas the first guy is just holding a regular size wine glass. <laughs> so he is envious of the other man's Pinot. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Where is the, Where's the thrill for you? Like where in the process? Because I have been like for me when I'm writing, the thrill is, is when I'm drafting like on an empty page and I discover something about the story and, um, you know, discover something new about a character or, or come upon a phrase that I really like or a sentence or something. Um, and, and it's not so much in the editing uh, or, or the publishing, although that is like gratifying, um, but it's to the point where I don't feel like I'm actually writing unless I'm like actively drafting regularly. Um, so like, where where is that for you? Like what keeps you coming back? Um, yeah, so for me, it is... Uh, for comics, it's when I ink. And for my paintings, it's when I do the outline. Because hmm. even my paintings, I still outline my characters. I have a very similar style, whether it's a comic book or a painting. Um, uh, but this this relates to, to an earlier part of the discussion where I talked about the hard part is design. The hard part is doing the pencils and figuring out how to lay out the scene it's it's a lot of logistics and and planning mm. on how to communicate the idea but what's really fun for me and what i really live for is when i put that line down because and it's if it's a painting i do watercolor and it's just a bunch of blobs. And then you put that line to separate the different colors mm. and it comes to life on the page. You you're looking at an actual piece. So that's the moment where the painting looks good mm. was, to me. Yeah. And with a comic, I've done a lot of work to get to the part where I put the pencils down on the page and I can understand if it's going to work or not. 
but it's in a light blue pencil on a white piece of paper. And it's, it's not really a, a, an artifact that brings me joy. But when I put the mm. black line on, especially if I'm inking with a brush and I can do a long line, just a long smooth line, um, <laughs> the act, the, the motion of my hand against the paper and just seeing that clean, stark black line against a white paper is very satisfying. Very, very satisfying. Mm. That's my favorite part. Mm. So I was looking for a book that Hunter and I have both read that I don't think I have anymore. Uh, it was both a book we were both forced to read, um, which means that neither of us really enjoyed it um, before we went to college. Oh, And most of our, most of our, Classmates didn't read it, which made both of us even that much more salty about it. It was called Evocative Objects. And it was a story of, it's like 25 little memoirs, like short little biographical memoirs of objects that mean something deep. They have a depth of meaning to the, the person. And so like the one that connected with me the most, it's not going to be surprising, somebody writing about a cello. And I'm not a cellist, but I play an instrument that it gets mis <laughs> misnamed and misunderstood <laughs> to be a cello all the time. Um, and and I don't even remember the specific story, but I just remember the way in which that was an object that, or an artifact, and you said the word artifact, that held a depth of meaning beyond even what it looked like or what it sounded like. Um, and you're used to the word artifact. And I think it's the second time you've used that today, maybe third. Um, it made me think about, think about that and the way that there is a, a point of transition in the stories you tell where it goes from something that could be to something that is, mm. and it takes on a deeper meaning when that happens. It goes from, a possibility to an artifact. Yeah. It's really the transition from, from internal to external. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's, that's really cool. That is a very cool watch, by the way. Oh, thank you. Objects. Yes. I, I found the absolute most nineties watch I could find. <laughs> is it, is it a Casio? Uh, no, but it is designed to look right. like the Casios yeah. from the nineties. Yeah. It is a, what is it? A shark a shark freestyle okay. watch. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Have you thought about putting any of your art on t-shirts? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, Katie, my wife is on me on that. Every year, is this the year you're going to make t-shirts or a hat or something? Um, I have my art on a t-shirt for that band that I did. I designed their album cover for one of their albums and they put it on a t-shirt. Um, I think it would be cool. Um, I'm just really bad at thinking about merchandise and thinking about how people are actually going to look at, <laughs> at the pictures that I draw. Um, 
stepping into comics coming from creating paintings uh you know when i have a painting i have one of the painting and so one person can enjoy it yeah and having a comic it's cheap so it's easy to purchase and i have hundreds of them so well not the ones that you and I made by hand. So we have less of those because dozens. <laughs> we have dozens of them. Um, but uh, they can be enjoyed by more people. And, and I really like that idea. And so putting something on a shirt is interesting to me. Uh, the, what, what keeps me from doing it is really just more the boring logistical side of the business of maintaining a, a, a warehouse, mm-hmm. essentially yeah. somewhere in my own home of different sizes of shirts. And, yep. So I'm hesitant. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask a question about AI art and that sort of that's because that's a whole thing now. Um, Yeah. But I'm struggling to find like the right question to ask. Um, And how do you feel about AI art? Is it, I don't know. Um, yeah so i i yeah <laughs> uh i i really 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 dislike it mm. um so there are different aspects to it that trouble me so the easy one that i won't talk about too much is the way that the ais are trained on looking at pieces of art Mm -hmm. so that they can learn quote unquote how to to create their own um and so they are taking from art from all over the world and creators all over the world and those artists and creators are not given credit are not Mm -hmm. given recompense for having their work appropriated and then regurgitated in some altered form yeah uh, to be an ai painting um so i don't think that that has been ethically done um Mm. i also it's just and and maybe you know i'm nearly 40 so maybe i'm just turning into an old man who who is railing against technology but (laughs) i it's very it's very sad to me to to see people use an app to generate an image for them when, as I said earlier, you can make a drawing with what you have in your house already. Mm -hmm. If you have an idea, then you can make it. And if you don't like how it turns out, then you can try it again. I think that art and not just drawing, but writing, you can write if you have paper and pencil or if you have a phone with a notes app on it or something, you can write anything. Um, music, there are, you can sing or you can, um, there are cheaper or more expensive musical instruments. There are so many opportunities to be creative and to come up with ways to express yourself. And, and I think that a lot there's a uh, an opportunity for people to miss out on that if their dabbling in art involves just putting in prompts into an mm. app and seeing images come out i think it's a cool parlor trick i'm sure that there will be useful 
ways that this technology can be used to better parts of society. I'm, I'm, I'm from a technical aspect, it's very impressive. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We talk, I'm going to throw another question out, just different, different field. Um, we talk regularly about our faith on this podcast and we have in previous episodes distinguished between, and this is my wording, art done by Christians and Christian art. And we've talked about some of our frustrations with Christian art at times as being of lower quality, at least compared to what else is out there. Um, whereas we would say art by Christians like doesn't show that same distinguishing piece. Um, the best example is, in, in my, for me, is my favorite artist is Andrew Peterson. And I talk about it and he's a Christian artist and, and there's pieces that come out that are explicitly Christian, some that aren't. Um, and I just love the way, I think his work can hold up against any contemporary, you know, singer, you know, as a po even as a poet and whatever. What do you think about this as, as a storyteller yourself um, and the stories you tell, like the ones we've been reading through today are not like, you wouldn't read this and be like, oh my goodness, Andrew's, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think like about faith the entire time you're reading right. through your pieces. Yeah. But I don't know. How would you enter into that conversation? What do you think? Yeah. So I, as, as someone who grew up having, I had a few 1950s science fiction movies, a couple Disney movies, and every other form of media that was in the home was Christian. Mm -hmm. And in the early nineties, Christian music was mostly pretty bad. I'll say that's a hard, <laughs> that's a harsh thing to say. That's a personal opinion. Yeah, there are a few um, exceptions. There, there are definitely a few exceptions. And um, like, I, I liked the newsboys growing up and I think that they're still good um, uh, throughout all their changing lineup and everything. Uh, News talk. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, Earlier, I forget what the question was, but my there was the quote that I miss that I don't know who to attribute it to. Where if you if you have a message, you should be a preacher. If you want to tell a story, then you tell a story, and you don't want to marry the two. That's the way I approach it. Mm. I am a Christian, and so there are some things. So, like the mild editing I did for the girls where I chose not to include the swear words. I don't know if I'm going to say that swearing is always a sin or whatever, but just as a, some things that I like to keep it decent. I like to keep it so that I could show my work to at least teenagers and not feel embarrassed. I could show it to my parents. And I don't know if I could show it to my parents, but, uh, <laughs> but I at least wouldn't feel ashamed. Um, yeah. Yes. And so I have that, but, but more than that, I think that there is a, a large room for expression and joy. And a lot of what we've talked about with regular life and Komodo queen and these other pieces are noticing the world around us, noticing creation, but not just in a way where I'm 
painting landscapes because that's mm-hmm. not interesting to me. But um, you know, one of the more interesting creations being people made in mm-hmm. God's image. And there are so many ways that we bump into each other and interact with each other. And it's very complicated the the way that we interact with each other when that's whether a relationship is good or bad or just a casual look you give someone at the grocery store. It's, it's always very complicated. It's very rich. And I think exploring that, I can, you know, there's, there's glory to God in that, in, in documenting these interactions and showing the weight of these people in our lives that maybe we don't even remember because it was such a, mm-hmm. a brief encounter, um, shape us. Everything that happens shapes us in one way or another. It can change our mood even just by 1%, but that could be enough mm-hmm. to get you through a day. It could be enough to ruin your day. Um, mm. and, and that's really what's interesting to me. And so, so far the stories I've told other than, the Halloween sequence in regular life. I don't think I have, maybe there's one other one about church in regular life. I don't remember, but it's not, I haven't done anything as explicitly religious. I will say Um, similar to my comments earlier about wanting to do something on mental health, but not feeling I have the writing chops to do it. Mm. If I'm going to explore something religious, I would be to have something interesting to say that is not a message. I don't think that I would, I don't want to make a tract, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, 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 that's not interesting to me. I, I, I don't think that's a, a good form of communication of these ideas. I think that our faith is more complicated it's it's hard to write something explicit in a comic or in a painting that is not it's like the more explicit you make it the less it communicates effectively (laughs) (laughs) and and so and so for that reason i i have been more of a christian artist than or an artist who's a christian than a christian artist um but I do struggle with that because mm-hmm. should I be more explicit? Should I do a, more comics exploring my faith? Um, probably, but but I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I guess, and, so. and maybe it's not worth forcing it. Like, it, yeah. it seems like a large part of the work that you do is where is it that you are now and where is it like that? What is it that's on your heart that you want to be working on? And what is it that you have time based off what's on your heart that you can work on? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. There's always the time aspect. Yeah. Um, But I, I would expect that at some point I will, I will make a a comic um, that more directly deals with my my faith and my, uh, to use a Christian-y kind of phrase of my spiritual journey. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, 
I think I think there's a lot of interesting things there. I, I think that if I can write something that that catches the tone of those Halloween pieces, mm-hmm. where it is not mm. a Sunday school story, and it is not on the other side, it is not a condemnation. It is not a, a yeah. railing against shortcomings of humans but it's just a realistic look and an exploration. I would love to do something yeah. like that. I'm just envisioning like a small group circle conversation. Yeah. Like that's the type of thing that like, like yeah. it could almost look like a self-help group. Like at yes. first look, but like the conversation that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there are, there are doubts. There are questions. There are things that you disagree with mm-hmm. and it's okay to have all those thoughts, mm-hmm. um, but it requires a lot of nuance to write something like that and not either look like a heretic or just a uh, oversimplifying <laughs> Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate your answer. That's, I think you dove into so many different pieces. I don't have a necessary response because I just think it was really hit well. I have a fun question, but it is unrelated to you as a storyteller. Okay. One of my life goals, um, and maybe any listeners out here who have your own podcast, uh, uh, this is for you. One of my life goals is to be able to be on a podcast and say, "Longtime listener, first time guest." That is like I want to say that on a, like this is an internal goal that like my entire life, <laughs> my entire life, like ever since I heard about podcasts, like I want to say I've been a longtime listener, first time guest. Um, because one of the things that's really fun about listening to a podcast is, at least for me, is sometimes I feel like I'm part of the conversation, especially when I like know like what they're talking about. Like one of my good friends has a podcast. <clears throat> Nate, <clears throat> if you listen to this, which you probably aren't pay attention, um, where they talk about movies. And sometimes I'm like, no, I disagree. Like, like, Hey, you, or you missed this piece or like, this is what makes this stand out. I know you've listened to a few of our episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Most of them. In fact, I, which just so appreciate. Um, w- what would you add? Like, are there things that come to your mind having listened to some of these episodes that you're like, you miss this here, or like, I really like that piece, or like, put yourself into any number of them. It doesn't need to be a <laughs> conjoined. Like, oh, this is exactly the process. Yeah. Like, where, where, where in the conversation have we missed out? Where is it that you've enjoyed? Where is it that? Uh, I so to be honest. Most of the things you guys discuss, I don't know. <laughs> I, I am not. I am not as well read as I should be. I don't know any musicals. I haven't seen the shows you talk about. Um, I'm not much into Tolkien or fantasy books, so <laughs> I I don't have a lot to contribute to most mm-hmm. of it. But I really, really appreciate the discussions and the taking taking these different pieces of art seriously and, and worth discussing in detail. Um, I, I always find it very interesting and funny 
and there's a lot of um, just thought-provoking ideas. I think that the episode you did on Martin Luther King was incredible. Um, it really put a a bug in me to educate myself more, um, and I. It's hard to follow Martin Luther King. Shouldn't have started with that one, but uh, <laughs> the Godfather episode is really good. I agree with you that the second movie is maybe technically better, but it is not better than the first one because the first one just feels much better. Um, so I agree with you completely on that. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the discussion of uh, Faulkner and, and Virginia Woolf, um, even though I haven't read those pieces uh very interesting discussion and clearly authors that are worth discussing. Um, I did uh, check out the to the lighthouse from the library, but I returned it unread because I didn't have, I didn't read it. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be really interesting if you returned it unread because you read it at different place. (laughs) (laughs) No. So um, yeah. So but yeah, to answer your question, I really I've never read or listened to or seen most of the things you guys discuss, and I still listen to every episode anyways. <laughs> oh man, that means a lot. As, yeah. How about the Raven? Have you read that? Have you the Raven? Yeah, I was familiar with the Raven, and that that was interesting to me because I thought that so long ago, I uh, like many people in college and in my twenties. Uh, and even in high school, I was so above it all. I was so cool. And I was just like, oh, the Raven. Everyone knows the Raven. That's so <laughs> lame. That's, it's the, the, what was it? The, the, the cask of, uh, what's the name? Montiago. Montiago. Like, yeah. like that would, that's, that's, that's so much better. Or the Mask of the Red Death. Like these are so <laughs> far superiors. And then you open that episode with reading the Raven. And I was, just my breath was taken away. I was like, wow, this is really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so that, that was great. I was familiar with that, but you guys talked a lot about Poe and a lot about the stories that I haven't read in forever. And I remember the basic plot line, but the, the discussion of it, the, the excerpts that you read, it was, it was very, very cool and eye opening to go back to it circling back to what I raised a glass to of rediscovering something mm-hmm. from earlier in my life and, and being pleasantly surprised that it holds up. Um, there was definitely some of that. Mm. Thanks. That's, I appreciate you entering your voice into the conversation with that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you feel about this Hunter, but it's just been, it's encouraging to me to hear that. Um, sometimes we share voice, we share and <laughs> We hope it's something. <laughs> we hope it's I, I can assure you it is something. Right. Thank you. Um, and and we're, we're always trying to get better. And so you know, we're trying to make sure what we're – the way we love having these conversations, um, clearly. We talk, we talk forever. Um, and, and we also want it to be the type of thing that other people enjoy and want to enter into. Uh, as much as possible. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's great. And I think that your recent episodes are strong and 
you've had a lot of strong ones all throughout, but it's it's shown that you are comfortable now with the format and the pacing and uh, the way you introduce a topic and stuff. It's it's yeah, you guys are doing great. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. I think Hunter had one last question for you. I was just going to ask Andrew if if he want let him have the last word if there's anything that he wanted to to share uh, or any anything we missed or uh, no I would just I would just keep it brief and say I I really appreciate you guys having me on this has been a blast and I feel like I talked a lot so hopefully it's interesting um, I think that. I think that comics and paintings are very visual mediums. So hopefully some of it translated through to the podcast, but um, I'm sure there'll be a link in the show note to my website. Even if you don't buy anything, you can see some sample pages from my comics and you can see uh, some of my paintings on there. So you can get a, a sense for what it looks like. And some of the things we talked about are, are on the website. So hmm. I hope people will check that out so they can see what we were talking about. Yeah. And you should definitely buy them. It's a hundred percent worth it. And when you're following uh, Andrew on Instagram, what's your yeah Andrew Mosier Art? Okay, when you you should find the festival he's he's going to be at, find his booth, and come meet him and get a mini portrait. Get a mini portrait of you and your friend and your mom. Yes, <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Do it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, coming on, uh, for Thank going so a much. distance with us. Um, it is a bit past midnight. We're, we're going to, you listeners, you have done this in two parts, but we have not um, because we have had so much to talk about um, because we have the artist here with us um, and it has been so much fun. Um I know it's absolutely fascinating for me to, to talk about process and, and learn about the process because I just, I feel like the conversation about artists just so much about the product and, and the end mm -hmm. result, but really the more I think about it, it's, it's art is not just what we consume. Art is good for us to do. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has been really great exploring that with you. Um, on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. This was yeah. a blast. And I think I talked maybe more than Eric. So, <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> You're the guest. So, that's, you know, that's our goal. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andrew. Yeah. It's really a joy. And thank you for being generous with your time. Yeah. Thank you.